Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode one, two, three. That's a runner, Hey, that's Vince. nice. That's I sequential. Like that that's, might be my new thing. I used to be... I used to be into palindromes. Uh, things palindromes are out. Yeah, the same front as, as back. Forward is backwards. Race car, banana. Wait, <laughs> banana's not one. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Race car is though Anna. I think I was thinking of Anna. Uh, episode the name Anna is. Great example. Radar. Yep, radar. I'll count it. Uh, Great. <laughs> any more? Uh, if you, I'm any, sure there are. Listen, if you've got a palindrome, please tweet us. It's at uh, the 10K HRS. We'd love to hear your palindromes. Thank you so much for all those palindromes. So you're listening to episode 123, and we had the uh, <laughs> the true. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What did he call himself in the episode? A somewhat proficient space nerd. <laughs> exactly really verbatim <laughs> somewhat proficient space nerd but also the man behind lunar a digital and multidisciplinary wait whoa whoa multidisciplinary, digital yeah, multidisciplinary creative studio here in minneapolis uh also behind the kickstarter launch ladies which is a children's reference to important women in space history as a super interesting man with a super interesting perspective his name is jamie erickson yeah, if you're listening to this, please go check out his uh, Kickstarter. Uh, we recorded this just a few days um, prior, which is kind of a rare for us. But uh, uh, the Kickstarter is definitely still live, and uh, they're close to their goal. But it's just such a cool project, and I'm uh, just excited to see see him doing it and see the the support for it. Absolutely, and fittingly, we talked about the future as a concept, uh, not only like things like legacy and and forward progress in art and creation but also like the next generation of creatives and artists uh be that young entrepreneurs who are getting started in an industry or uh, more wholesomely maybe uh, actual children and he's got children of his own and he does a lot of projects that help foster creative imagination in children which uh, i think everyone can agree is really something special Absolutely, and uh, he is an imaginative adult. I feel like something I've really respected about him is he has not let the light of uh, curiosity uh, burn out, and I think it's uh, really inspiring and and special. And Vince, when I think about the future of podcasting, especially, I think of Simplecast. Uh, Absolutely, removing barriers, making it easy. Truly, truly, truly. Uh, It's the easiest way to publish podcasts, in my opinion. And uh, it's how we publish the podcast every week. And we want to thank Simplecast for supporting the show. Uh, If you're interested in podcasting and want to publish a podcast, I would strongly recommend you check them out at simplecast.fm. Although, is is the .fm that futuristic? Now, that feels like a real hearkening back. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the best way to go forward is to look behind you and see where you came from. And Vince, or I look something. Back, I look back at 122 episodes and I think, wow, what a, what a journey it has been and what a journey it shall be. Uh, poignant, uh, slightly on the nose, but also true. And <laughs> thank you, Simplecast, for your patronage. And thank you, Jamie Erickson, for taking the time to join us. Talk about the future. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Hope you enjoy episode 123, The Future.
anybody wearing? <laughs> hey, <laughs> good to have you on the show, Jamie. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm in basketball shorts, if you didn't even know. Oh, so. I think, oh, don't humor him. <laughs> I don't know why you, why you're even saying that. I, again, was just asked, where are you? Where are you? I was testing the levels, and I think you must have, the mind hears what it wants to hear. <laughs> What are you putting your time into? What are you working on? Whoa! Hello. This is the Yikes. this is the new grant. Uh, I am locked and loaded, primed, ready to go. No more no more bullshit at the top of the show. I just want to get into it, man. <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm anxious to see you know how how long lived this trend is. I'm uh, just back from a trip out west. Uh, actually, funny enough, you're there now. I was in Portland for five days, and now I'm back. Actually, fun little project I've been putting my time into uh, before and during the trip. I'm actually working on version like 3.0 of a of a board game of my own own design. If you can believe it, dear God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, it's a real mess. Uh, we did a play test of it maybe a couple months ago, and then a second round a month after that. Mm, it did not go great. It did not go great. I'm new to this, so it's kind of learn as you go. But it's fun. Love it, Grant. What about you? What are you putting your time into? Hold on. Do you have a name for the game? I actually don't. There's a working title called Dungeon, but that's it. Hmm. It's not what it's going to be called. Okay, we'll 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 talk off mic about that, and I'll see if I can help you out for free. Oh, all right, okay. yeah, for great. Free-ish. You know a lot about like game game design. Yeah, name game names, name games. Oh, cool. Both. Yeah, great. Let's do it. Perfect. Uh, Grant, what are you what are you working on? Uh, just jamming. Um, I got a. I just finally got an approval on a music video that I'll be shooting uh, in a few weeks here, and I'm like super hyped. First, like proper, I've like proper, like proper budget, and and uh, got got some real talented people I'm working with. So, kind of going heads down on that, man. Excellent. You yeah. know, I'm a fan of your previous music video work, so Beautiful. looking forward to this one as well. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, okay, look at this. So we're speeding through that part, and then now we can get to the good stuff, Vince. The part where we have the guests in the mix. Oh man, I feel like we're already to the cream filling. Like, was it too fast? Did we get into it too quickly? I mean, listen, let's let's test this time. If it really feels like that, I'm always able to slow it down. You uh, okay. you know you know I've got that skill. So I've I've wanted to chat with our guests um, for a while now. I feel like I've just been so familiar. Uh, you know, I no longer am uh, living in Minneapolis, but I I felt like. Um, getting into like the creative fields and the advertising kind of general and digital, like uh, that industry, that field, that scene, it was like really hard not to be aware of this dude who at the time had an, uh, an agency called Seventh Sin and has gone on to do a bunch of interesting stuff, including the uh, Kickstarter that kind of got him back on my radar uh, recently that he launched. Uh, launched It's called Launch Ladies, uh, and I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that. But um for now, I'd just like to welcome uh, Mr. Jamie Erickson uh, to the show. And Jamie is the founder of a, uh, a digital creative consultancy called Lunar. And uh, you might be sensing the space theme. His, <laughs> his, his avatar is also... We're looking at so, it now. Sort of a moon space helmet illustration. Man. Did you do this illustration? I feel like it might have been an illustration for um, 
Cotton Bureau? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I was doing um, kind of in my my. F- free time which is i don't know where i had free time but in my free time i was doing um illustrations of all the various helmet types from the different um early nasa space programs and that one in particular was the um second iteration of the uh, moon eva helmet from the apollo program so whoa hey do you have a favorite helmet not that i'll know what you're talking about at all when you say it but i like that one a lot um it was it's i mean it's got you know they've got a whole handful of different like visors that flip up and down and stuff uh Mm. but uh, it had this really cool red stripe that went through the through the middle that just felt so like badass 1971 sort of thing Mm. i love it sort of like a bow you know what yeah. I didn't have any context, and you still made me feel like a part of that conversation. So thank you, Jamie, for that. <laughs> yeah, what, what a gent. <laughs> what a true gent. Uh, welcome to the show, Jamie. It's a real treat to have you on. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate yes, it. Absolutely. Then I'm kind of on a roll right now. Uh, maybe I'm just going to take this one. You're clipping at a feverish pitch. Yeah, go by, for it. By, by our standards, at least. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jamie, I'm wondering, uh, could you tell us, uh, what do you what are you putting your time into lately? What are you working on? Oh, I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's kind of a wild time right now. It's kind of a combination of it's that time of year where you know client projects are kicking off mm-hmm. um, mixed with uh, me filling my, my time during client walls with my own kind of individual projects. And so, um, uh, I just, this actually this past weekend and I helped, uh, my good friends at space One Fifty send uh, ah, I watched Nike that vapor max up into space. Beautiful yeah. man. Well, so yeah. this is amazing. Okay. This is great. Cause I, I have a lot of homies over there and I saw them do this and I was like, dude, gr- or dudes and dudettes phenomenal job on that. And, uh, also, I mean, you have a background in doing some like lunar and like space photography, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a kind of a wild adventure. Um, I was on a trip um, with my dad, and I was shooting some photos. We were way down, uh, we were at the bottom of the world, and uh, I was shooting this cool like passageway we were sailing through. And I realized when I looked back at the photos that I had shot a photo of the moon, um, the moon rising kind of behind us. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. I bet if I apply myself a little bit to pointing my camera upward I could shoot some cool stuff so I started doing that um and then kind of started to to hook my hook my camera up to a telescope that I was borrowing from a friend and and started really getting into that while kind of at the same time thinking um it's fun to shoot up into space I wonder if I could shoot back down at the earth also um and so this was uh in the seventh and days still we figured out how to um, through, through looking at some projects some other people done, we, we basically bought a little six pack cooler, drilled some holes in it and duct taped some iPhones in there on time-lapse photography and, uh, put in another phone running like an old location tracking app. And we would just let go and see where it would land. Um, and we started getting really cool photos of the curve of the earth. Um, and as I kept doing that, I got better and better and started hacking cameras to like fig- to get better photography and got my ham radio license so I could do real time like radio tracking and stuff like that like super geeking out on this stuff hmm. um, and uh, and then uh, I started getting um, figuring out how to time it just right so we'd be you know close to altitude like a hundred thousand feet or so while the moon would be coming up over the horizon and I got some pretty awesome photos of the moon rising at one point in time. Um, 
And then that just kind of turned into people asking, hey, could you do this with this group or this group? And um, I was super fortunate to work with um, a class of uh, third graders in Chicago. Um, We got 100 third graders out into a field, and I rigged up a fun little mechanism to allow them to um, let go of the balloon, essentially, themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I launched, um, they had a little uh, Muppet speaker doll that we attached to the outside and we launched the beaker one. Um, <laughs> and we, we sent that thing up in the air and managed to plop her down right down in the middle of Lake Michigan. Um, and so, uh, that, that was a fun recovery process with a boat. Um, ah. but, uh, and that, uh, that just kind of led me into starting to do that with, um, some other kind of youth groups and stuff. And then, uh, um, a little while ago, uh, um, started getting actually hired to do it. <laughs> Occasionally people would say, hey, we want to put this thing into quote unquote space and, uh, you know, you can turn it around in a dime. So let's do it. And that's amazing kinda how this how this project came about, too. So what an interesting uh, to use like a, a not a perfect term resume of <laughs> stuff that you've done. And it, it's quite helpful that you brought up your work with children yeah. This is a very imagination forward pursuit that you're doing, sending cameras up to look back down, not to mention a great deal of perspective baked into it. And that's sort of a theme that's continued on in this Kickstarter that you're recently yeah. putting some time into, I imagine, called Launch Ladies, a quote, yep. a children's book about the women of space. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that stemmed from a couple of places. Um, I had, uh, I, um, I have a three and a half year old daughter, um, now, and I have a seven month old son. And, um, right after my daughter was born, um, I was reading, you know, constantly just sitting down reading books to her, you know, um, I started, uh, one kind of loving that moment and two, um, wishing, uh, that there were, that there were more things um, that I was uh, mostly to feel fuel my interest as a dad sitting on the floor having to read the same stories over and over again. Um, I wanted to kind of try to find things that I was also interested in um, from like a inspirational, educational sort of thing. And I wasn't um, I wasn't really finding anything that really was super great. Um, and anything that I did find, like particularly I was looking for like cool kids space books they were also kind of, I don't know, kind of corny and cartoony um, to a certain degree. And it was like, they were all stories. Like, I, you know, I blast my rocket off and yeah. travel to a fictional planet. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great, you know. Um, and that's fun and imaginative. But, like, part of me was like, I would love for her to have a perspective of space that is, um, one, kind of accurate. And, two, um, she's not maybe otherwise going to necessarily just learn um, by studying space. Um, And so I had been working with um, my friend Lydia on a a different book that we actually made my daughter for a Christmas present um, as just a brief, you know, we made like three of them. Um, And uh, we were, while we were making that one, we were talking about what should we do next? What should we do next? And um, this was last year, I don't know, late summer sort of thing. we started talking about uh, we should I would I would really like to take a look at um, this whole world of, of space, past, present and future. But um, to really talk about all of the amazing women that led programs um, 
that that you just never hear about like you, we've all heard the story of you know neil and buzz landing on the moon and how in like the last nine seconds they had to shift gears and they almost ran out of fuel you know before they land and everybody's like oh my god that's so crazy and it's like yeah but they didn't even get there had margaret hamilton not actually written the code that flew that thing mm-hmm. um and like nobody nobody knows about her and it's like without her that thing didn't even get them there in the first place you know um, and so without, without that amazing, you know, software that was, that was powering that thing, they didn't get the three and a half days from earth to the moon to then experience those last nine seconds. Um, and so, uh, I wanted to kind of start looking at that. Um, and so, um, Lydia and I started talking about working on it and, you know, started doing a bunch of research and really wanted to um, find somebody who uh, we felt also had a similar passion and had, I I went to art school and so, um, you know, I knew I'd I'd hit some of the high notes, but I really wanted somebody that could help us kind of peel back some layers and really find some names of some amazing women that um, even maybe, uh, you know, somewhat proficient space nerd like myself maybe hadn't even heard of and Mm. so um we uh had gotten a hold of i'd met her on twitter about a year ago a woman named layla mcneil uh who's down in dallas and she's um one of the founders of a blog called lady science and um she helped put together like really an amazing list of women some of which many of which i had never never heard of and never um realized uh had had led entire initiatives um so uh that was kind of a fun fun discovery moment and to sit down and to look at that and go like oh man there was a you know nancy roman basically invented the hubble space telescope and put that entire program together and like i never knew that i mean everybody knows the hubble space telescope but like nobody knew who started that thing and what a fun what a fun little thing to sit down you know like just thinking in the near future when we started this sit down with my daughter and be like hey look at this lady that essentially put a telescope in space and we discovered things that just completely changed our perspective of our, our solar system and, and part of our, you know, nearest neighbor system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it totally changed the way we understand things. And, and she was the first astronomer that they ever hired inside of NASA. And she was like, well, why don't we put a, te- put a telescope up there? So um, I just felt like that would be a really fun kind of different frame of reference to talk about, you know, space and all these cool space stories that we've, we've all heard of. Um, and to, to really start having that be part of the common space, you know, conversation that we have at, at a young age, like, you know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't just a bunch of dudes in suits sitting around making it happen. There was all sorts of, uh, uh, amazing men and women uh, around doing phenomenal stuff. And so let's talk about some of these, uh, really brilliant, brilliant women leaders so yeah somewhat proficient space nerd that's like a business card, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's my that's... main takeaway no the main <laughs> takeaway is that the um the project is is super interesting and it's super novel and awesome maybe it's too novel indeed um but i i love the idea of when so things are made for kids but they're not all kitted yeah. up they're not yeah. dumbed down for the audience because you know when we're talking about on this episode actually uh you've segued it quite nicely on your own jamie no need for us anymore uh we're talking <laughs> about the future and really in in the most grandiose sense of the word children are the future of all creative pursuits having them have access to real interesting intellectual 
backstory, even from an early age, is, is fundamentally important, as it seems that you agree, right, Jamie? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, that was the most I mean, softball question yeah, I've ever asked I, I would have show. loved. I would have loved to have heard him disagree there and to well, see actually, that. <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, we thought you were a great candidate for talking about the future. I'm putting it in quotes, but we're talking about in sort of all of the ways that the word can mean uh, not only the future in a, sort of a very literal sense, maybe space exploration has sort of a futuristic bent to it, though it's firmly rooted in the past as well, of course, but also the future of the creative arts that's kind of nebulous, but maybe specific disciplines. It all comes down to the younger people, be they children or be they simply amateurs or people starting in an industry. Do the people who know more about this pursuit owe it to the ones that don't to be ambassadors, teachers, etc that's the question yeah yeah yes that's my first question i'm I'm gonna go ahead and say no man (laughs) no well Well, see i don't think this was as much of a softball no you're right no i I was just is there a a, a level of responsibility inherent in creating Mm, art Ooh. i think i think yes and no i think that is a a kind of a, a difficult you know, uh, not an easy kind of softball question. I think there's always kind of the age-old argument of, you know, it's not art unless you've been through a certain amount of training and expertise and blah, blah, blah sort of thing. I mean, thing. But how many also- hours do you think? Uh, 10,000. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for humoring us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but then there's, there's also this, uh, there's this kind of idea that, art is kind of this unbridled enthusiasm at the same time. And, and it it really is just, this can be this raw emotion. And so um, I think there's, there's something, you know, having gone through thousands of hours of art school training and all of these really weird in-depth conversations about what is and isn't art and art criticism and all this sort of stuff. And then sitting down with my daughter, who's three and watching her like throw her markers at the paper and having that look as like this um, kind of amazing expression of a moment in time that I see and my wife sees and my parents see when they look at this crazy scramble on a piece of paper. It's like, well, is that not also art because she's making this amazing expression on a sheet of paper? Mm. So I think to a certain degree, uh, to kind of answer that question, uh, it's yes and no. There's, there is some responsibility, mm. but there's also none at the same time. It, it, does so. seem, it does seem like the definition, in a, in I think a positive way, of the definition of creativity has kind of opened up some. And, you know, you were talking about a, being a, a space nerd. I feel like the, the, like, geekdom and the nerddom, the, like, hyper-passionate, hyper uh, world of that has like opened up and is like kind of taking on a little bit of the word or the descriptor of creativity in I think a helpful and healthy way. You know, it's like yeah. it's opened up yeah. a lot of things that maybe were seemed like quote unquote nerdy or other or wh- whatever. You know, they just didn't seem like art, and they've like kind of right. been imbued with a new artistic sensibility by calling them creative, even if it's you know scientific, engineering, like a lot of those things. I think it's like. I don't know. I, I, it does feel like there's a good respect for it these days. Yeah, and it's 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 been kind of fun to watch that happen too. Like, I, I mean, I grew up, I grew up the son of a mechanical engineer who had this 
also this artsy leaning and kind of had the struggle of, you know, do I go to engineering school or do I go to art school? What do I do? And, you know, at one point in time, I decided, well, I will take one path, not really realizing years later that, you know, I kind of took both paths simultaneously mm-hmm. by, you know, studying design and all that sort of stuff. And so it's been, it's, you know, as my interest in space was kind of reignited, you know, quite a few years ago, um, it was, it was really kind of interesting to see, to start seeing the world of science and particularly space exploration um, through kind of this creative lens and looking at things in this new light of, um, I think a lot of, a lot about creativity, I think of as, as problem solving um, in, in a very loose sort of way. Like sometimes the problem is how do I express myself on the sheet of paper? Sometimes it's, you know, how do I solve a client's, you know, challenge sort of thing. Um, and I, I, I look at, you know, I kind of watched, I'll, I'll, I'll say I watched the movie Apollo 13 again, kind of with this an entirely renewed sense of respect for, um, when I was young and watched it, I was like, oh, man, they saved those dudes. And then when I was older, I was like, holy crap, like looking at the, like the actual creative problem solving that it took to figure out what they had on there and how to build air filters and how to use, you know, basically gravity assist to pull people back. Like that in itself is a work of art, mm. like in, a, in an insane work of like creative exploration, mm. you know, on the fly. And I think of like you know, those moments where you're under pressure to quick come up with, with a pitch idea or something like that. And, and similar, but, but very different sort of experience. Like we've got X number of hours to figure out how to keep these guys oxygen levels, you know, at whatever. And I go ahead. Oh no. I mean, you you were great. (laughs) I I was, I was just wondering, like, I I, want to dig more into the, the future and talking about like legacy and and children and like that future. But something that's, that's really always fascinated me, um, and I feel like my, my fascination with you as like creative or as doer, um, like when I was in school, you know, you had seventh sin, you had the mm-hmm. agency and, um, where I was at, you know, this, you know, let's, I don't know how many years ago this was like, maybe like six years ago or something, five years ago. Yeah, I'm not probably, sure. Yeah. 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 Something like that. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, cause there aren't a lot of people doing anything like what I want to be doing, which kind of felt like maybe start an agency or start a thing. And you had sort of a small, like a, a boutique, like digital agency. Um, and I, I think I, I talk with, and I, I imagine, you know, there are a lot of people who listen to this show who are like trying to think about their own future. Um, right. and, and I'm wondering if you could even speak, if you could speak to, that, uh, you know, you're talking about the creative problem solving. I, I, it seems like, you know, a lot of that is embedded in entrepreneurship or starting your own thing. And you're someone yeah. who's obviously like not only followed your interests, but followed them to a pretty high degree and really put your like name or your, your skin on the line. Um, I, I wonder if you could maybe trace us back a little bit to, I don't know if where that started is the most interesting phase, or maybe if you, if there's anything like, the cliche here would be like, (laughs) what advice would you give to people starting out? But I just, I, I don't know. I've I've just never really heard your perspective on what it, what it was that has driven you to do that, to kind of live outside of maybe the typical uh, agency structure or typical like corporate structure and be entrepreneurial within kind of the digital realm, digital agency, digital creative, that world. Yeah, I think um, that's a good question and, and one I always t- 
to a certain degree struggle to answer uh, intelligently. Um, (laughs) It's, uh, it's it's always yeah, I I going all the way back to when I was a kid and my my mom has has reminded me of this many a time that um, I just kind of always I, I cut my own path so to speak like you know like I definitely you know I wanted to play on the baseball team when I was young but I totally wanted to be the catcher like I didn't want to be the first baseman you know or something like that the position everybody wanted I like I wanted to do this stuff but I always kind of wanted to do like a different version of it sort of thing. And so um, that kind of is, that's kind of what happens when I started my first agency was, um, uh, I won't get into the lengthy story, but it was, it, it just brewed from, I was doing a bunch of freelance work on the side. I also had some day jobs in regular agency world. And I started to feel like, even though I was, I basically, I'd leave my job, I'd go home, have dinner, go back to my office space that I was renting and I'd work until, three, four o'clock in the morning and then kind of rinse and repeat, go to my day job, do the same thing again. I was always so excited to go to my studio and to work on those projects. And it wasn't necessarily because like, oh, I just have way better clients on my own. It was just like these engagements had started, you know, kind of on my terms sort of thing. And I just really got really excited about that because I would have opinions and it's like, nah, I think we need to be trying this, you know? And, um, I just decided, I'm like, I don't know. It feels like enough people to at least keep me in my house agree with this idea. So let's keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then that just kind of grew and got a lot of traction. And what I started to realize, um, you know, after doing that for a long time was that where, and this, this, everybody has their own sort of path thing, but what, what really worked for me was and, and drove me was the fact that um, I, it's not like I was so far outside of the box, you know, we were a digital creative agency, but like we just had our own slant on it. And it, that was driven by all of these kind of, I don't know, I had all these things, you know, we were t- talking to talking to people about throwing zombies in as Easter eggs on websites and stuff like that. And, and, um, that kind of just has been, I guess, what kind of fueled me was I've, I've, and even in starting my own thing again, as much as, you know, I'm, I I closed the first agency and I went on to, um, work at a place called software for good. And I, I really loved working there and I loved helping build the team that I built, um, but again, kind of a similar thing happened was I, I just wanted to be doing so many different things and be, um, challenging myself in lots of different ways that, uh, it, it just felt like the right time to jump out again and start, you know, kind of start this thing called lunar, which is really just kind of designed to be a lot of different things at once simultaneously. Um, so, you know, to, I guess, you know, if I were to say, you know, what sort of advice would I give to somebody trying to start their own thing? Um, I would just say, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it, but, you know, it's particularly in the creative world, you know, if, if you if your gut feels like you're going in the right direction, just go that direction, mm. um, and just keep going that direction. Um, there will, there will always be ups and there will always be downs and it doesn't always necessarily mean you're right or wrong. Um, but just like, if your gut tells you to go some way, just go that way. And in theory on paper, it all works out in the end. (laughs) Or it doesn't. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, And then um, it still works out. 
Yeah, yeah. And what happens? Uh, what happens after we die, Jamie? <laughs> uh-huh. So no, there's a couple of there's a couple of points that I'm like ex- super excited to touch on. I think first and foremost, even though I feel like there was so much said that I'm still like catching up to it. Um, sometimes you were you were talking about how you always felt the need to to play the I think you said third base or catcher of of catcher. the baseball I was team. The catcher. <laughs> sometimes even though it's sort of a derided philosophy being different for the novelty of being different just for the sake of it has real merit purple comedy i mean it that's exploration in sort of an abstract way right it's right. a it's a desire to be different and you can't have progress aka you can't progress into the future without some people being more or less like Hmm, I just don't want to do it this way. Let's try it a different way. Yeah, throw the bell and yeah, curve sometimes off. that's that's spurned on by by need, by necessity, but other times it's spurred on just by uh for lack of a, a better word, the creative spirit, the desire to be different. So mm-hmm. good on you for repping that. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I think what really sort of highlights a passionate person to me is not even someone who does something not even someone who does something a lot but it's someone who's excited to talk about it with other people uh to spread their knowledge to teach others to get others involved in a community i think uh seeing as how the, the conversation has always kind of sort of found its way getting back to space uh <laughs> you're a really good candidate for someone who who's passionate about about space and about uh teaching other people about it would you say that is a fair categorization of yourself? Yeah, I would. I would say so. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, then you're doing great things. I think by spreading <laughs> your love for that. Uh, one of my favorite things is someone who's excited about what they do and and wants to share it at every opportunity, uh, almost inexhaustibly. <laughs> how how do you think people who are passionate about something? Uh, for instance, like you are about space and other things, I'm sure. How do you think they can go best about sharing their passion with others in a way that you might describe as constructive or productive? I think, I think there's a, I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways to go about doing it. My, like uh, my method always has always just been, I just kind of like, barf my ideas on everyone around me all the time anybody that's willing to listen to me or just sit the long shotgun enough. approach yeah yeah so no i think um i don't know like i th- i think you so when i started getting really back into space this was probably a decade ago um uh, I, I grew up in the country and i used to see the stars all the time and then i moved to the city and kind of forgot about it when i was going to art school and then all of a sudden I moved into this quaint little kind of quiet neighborhood in the Northeast and started to be able to see some stars again and had this kind of aha moment. Um, and I just, I just kind of felt like I was always seeing this. It was like seeing it again for the first time sort of thing. And I started, you know, I'd see where planets were and stuff like that. And I started to figure out where they were in the sky at what times of the year and all that. And I'd start pointing it out to my friends just kind of in passing. And that kind of wound up just, you know, they started thinking about those things too and being able to go like, Oh cool. There's Jupiter, you know? Um, Mm. and, and I think that's, that's always the way that, I don't know. I've never been really super big on like preaching at somebody I taught for a while and I always felt weird about that. Like I'm your teacher. Listen to me. Um, 
I think for me, my sharing my enthusiasm about things has always been, you know, about just kind of trying to bring people along on the same exciting ride that I'm on. Um, as far as whether that's like discovery of space or like crazy wild, like self-introspective sort of discovery things. And, and it's just, that's kind of always the way I've gone about it, I guess. And Mm. I think, um, I don't know. I don't know if that even answers the question, but I think that's that's reasonable. Yeah. It's, and it's not even like a thing that I think about. I'm like, how do I teach people about space? It's like, you know, we just happen to be outside and it's a beautiful night and it's like, Oh man, look, there's the moon and it's lined up right there with, you know, Venus and people are like, Oh, that's Venus. Yeah. That's totally Venus. Like there's no way there's a star that's that bright in the sky, you know? And so, and then we just kind of start talking about it a little bit. And then I realize when I've gone over the hump and I stopped talking. Nice. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, isn't that like genuine interest begets genuine interest. And I feel like, yeah, just being interested curious passionate like you just you're just gonna you're gonna spew it out i i find uh i really related to what you were talking about the teaching thing i found like i I started going down a a very slight a very early uh route of like public speaking on any level and i found and then i got into like music and like djing and i realized like djing was the same thing i wanted to do there which was like share my passion in general uh, but mm-hmm. I found that DJing was like something where I could share share this share my energy for for like life and for just like things and creativity and whatever. And but it was less prescriptive and it, it was more of just like it allows other people to just like f- hopefully like see the passion, feel the energy of that, and then apply that to their own lives in their own way, which was more important to me than like standing up on uh, on a podium and telling people what I thought. Right. Right. Well, that's that's almost exactly what we're kind of what we're trying to do with the the little doing stuff event series thing that I started recently um, to you know segue into another thing. Please, um, please. It uh, it started kind of as an idea about um, trying to have super honest and raw conversations, um, and our our semi clever little tagline that we came up with is um, you know we're trying to tackle the big scary monsters that so often inhibit us from doing stuff, um, which is why it's called doing stuff, um, and and trying to create an environment where um, we talk about kind of like big scary things, but it becomes like a big group, communal, shared experience that people can take away whatever they want from it. It's not about, it's not about, I, I, we always have three panelists, and it's not about being like, this panelist will tell you about like our first event was on failure and it wasn't about, you know, Dessa telling you about failure in the music industry or, you know, Mary Fallon telling you about failure in the mobile app space. Um, it was, it was deliberately three people from different industries, but the whole thing wasn't about industry or profession. It was about just, you know, what does failure mean to you as a person? And, you know, we started diving into things about, you know, professional failures, but personal failures and, the idea of failure and recovering from it and all these sorts of things. And the crowd got involved in it. And it it was just this really interesting and exciting moment where um, uh, literally I just said, we're here to talk about failure and let's go. Um, And this really, really deep kind of raw conversation started to happen. We had this, this really amazing exchange where um, one of our panelists was talking about, you know, taking kind of a business that fell apart and dragging down a bunch of people you know, with her and taking 11 years to get that sorted out and start over, which led to, you know, another woman asking about 
you know, her, her marriage and then falling apart and, and where, how do you find the strength and courage after something, you know, like that happens to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And then one of our other panelists started talking about sometimes you just got to, you know, scream at the world for until that stops, you know, serving you a purpose. And it was like, wow, you know, like there's oh, so much kind of raw honesty just happened in that moment that it's going to, everybody in the room is going to see that and relate that to themselves in some way. And my hope is that people walk away and go, maybe failure isn't quite as scary as I thought it was because we all, you know, find ways beyond it. And hopefully they, they were able to take away some things that help them uh, realize that they're not alone um, when they go through those sorts of things. And um, we've got another event coming up here soon called fear, um, which I think will be a really fun one to kind of tackle. Um, okay. And then uh, to, to, to stay on the kids thread where we're actually starting to develop a kids track for this whole thing too, to try to encourage kids to just go out there and take risks and try things while they're, while they're young. So I love it, man. I love it. I mean, the, I, I, the beauty of a lot of this and the, uh, the rawness, it, it just being seen, allowing yourself to be seen by other people. And then I think that encourages them to also, you know, show themselves and, so much uh, lovely exchange can happen there, especially in person. You know, we end up on the internet yeah. so much. I, that sounds like a really awesome thing. How, how big are the well, gr- groups been? We the first one we had seventy people. This oh, next cool. one we'll have a hundred. We'll have a hundred people at the next one. Um, that's this is kind of 10, this 000. is our second one. <laughs> yeah, our second one, and so this is a a test to see if we add thirty more people, do we still have a very group conversational sort of feel? And mm. the idea is to keep it really on. Uns- structured like I deliberately don't really give my panelists any instruction ahead of time um it's just like this is what we're going to talk about let's just see where this goes sort of thing Mm -hmm. um and um it's 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 really kind of it's really kind of interesting and fun to see how that goes and we we were very deliberate to um we like before the event started we asked people to put their phones away Uh, we deliberately don't record it um or film it because we kind of want to have it be a very present moment as much as we possibly can. Um, and, and really have people just, just be there and be a part of this thing. And hopefully you take something away, you know, inside of you, as opposed to maybe a list of, of quotable moments on Twitter or something like that. Um, and, and, and that's really kind of our hope with that is to kind of hopefully demystify some of these big, big Mm -hmm. topics so that people are, are less afraid to jump out and try some things, even if that's, I want to take a week off and ride my bike across the U.S. or something like that, you know, like, okay, great, let's do it, you know. like We had a Lester Humphreys who rode his bike around the world, didn't he, Vince? Yeah, wait, Portugal to Thailand or okay. some approximation thereof. Yeah, pretty not, pretty not far. We'll, we'll give him, give him, give him credit. Um, it's, but, you yeah. know, the, the yeah. idea of, of making it okay to fail, okay to take risks, that's – so utterly important yes to moving forward and i think it's something everyone comes to learn in one way or another uh as if you if you keep trying to do things that are novel and and new there's going to be a great deal of failure yeah uh but the the only way to truly fail not to sound a little hallmark about it is to never try it all <laughs> no and totally people people like you who are helping break down the fear barriers are doing a great service to creativity i think 
Yeah. Well, that's that's what we hope. <laughs> that's what we hope. I, th- I think you so. are. You, I, I feel like uh, something I'm taking away from this right now is that um, e- even artists, uh, you know, people who are, uh, and I find myself getting precious over my own work that I consider art, but I think something that I really appreciate about uh, the path you've taken and the path you continue to take is that uh, you're approaching so much of what you do as an experiment, um, and artwork comes out of that, you're, and you're approaching these experiments artistically, but I feel like they are experiments, and I, it seems like it gives you some like separation to keep trying and to quote-unquote fail, and I, I think that's like a phenomenal path and a phenomenal perspective. It, it's like, it's simultaneously freeing and motivating. I think that was something that I really learned kind of the, the first go around with seven sin, like admittedly, like that thing started as a band when I was in college and it was a lousy band. So I started doing work for bands with like that as a pen name. And like eventually when it kind of became Crazy. an agency, I was like, man, this is the thing that like, I'm going to give to my kids someday. And like when yeah. that fell apart, when that fell apart, it was like, it was like this huge gut punch that like took me, well, admittedly still kind of getting over. Um, and so when I started Lunar, one of the things that I told myself was, this is something I'm going to see what works. And it, it it wasn't like I was intentionally going like, I want to make sure I have a way to like, you know, conceptually give myself an out. But I stopped, I stopped realizing that it wasn't it, basically what happened was it wasn't important to me anymore to have that level of emotional attachment to it. Like, let's just go try a bunch of stuff. If it doesn't work, whatever, move on. Like it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out. So let's try this little weird creative consultancy. And like, you know, it was kind of a, in the early days of lunar early days, we're only two years old. Um, <laughs> in the early ish days, it was, it was very much about like, let's find clients and let's be strategic consultants. And it was like, okay, that worked for a little bit, but it felt like it was going to become an agency where I needed employees and, and stuff like that. And so it was like, let's see if we can maybe make some of our own ideas that we feel could be catalysts to start ideas that solve our clients problems, you know, and that's kind of part of where the doing stuff thing came from. It's like, what if we make an event series? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, cool. Now we're turning this into like a kid's track thing for, you know, kind of a a client relationship partnership sort of thing. And, and similar thing with the books is we've had some, you know, talk about partnering with some folks about building a platform to crowdsource and, and create, you know, uh, short run children's books Mm. uh, of stories that aren't being told sort of thing. Yeah. And then the same with the balloon launch thing is it's like now, you know, I'm starting to get, you know, people that are hiring me to do balloons and it's like, yeah, let's just keep trying different stuff and see what happens. And, yeah. You know, if it, only, if it only sticks for six months, then whatever, you know, then move on to another thing and see what happens. And um, it's been like you said, it's been it's been kind of kind of freeing to look at uh, look at the idea Hell of, yeah. you know, my professional career is more of one big giant experiment that hopefully hopefully pays my mortgage every month so. totally man and and, and if well, you if, if that's all you need to do i feel like identifying that as your i mean not all you need to do but like identifying what your motivations are and what the things you actually need to do every month or every whatever like that's it's so tempting to scale or to like want to do something that is like what other people what you think other people want you to do and just like figuring out what you want to do for you and, and for the people around you. I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. I've, I've kind of joked a few times that, you know, like at this point in my life where I'm at is 
I, you know, obviously I no longer want to give, give my children this, this big business that they hopefully figure out how to run. Yeah. But I'm just, ho- I'm hoping, I'm hoping that someday when I'm gone and they're cleaning out my basement, they're fighting over who gets what out of all this ridiculous stuff Hell that yeah. I've made over my life. I love like, it, man. They're fighting over well, who dude, gets to keep I, it. You, you know? know what? A, a side story. I, I remember purchasing a few posters from your – you had a sale, I think, like at, at Sevenson kind of – or something yeah. like like a cleaning house sale. And I bought some posters. Yeah, when that we were, were moving. Yeah, yeah, they were hanging in my old uh, – my old, oh, I think I was on crutches at the time. Anyway, yes. Okay. So, dude, you are, you're leaving a legacy and you're leaving uh, crumbs <laughs> all around you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of crumbs, Grant, speaking of sometimes having to go off and do your own thing, not wow. subscribe to convention, we have a little tradition, so it's a convention of unconvention, now that you mention it, uh, on the show, uh, that uh, veers a little bit away from the topic at hand to talk about something not particularly germane. germane. That's right. Uh Jamie, I don't know if you know this, but we do an off-topic topic every week where we talk awesome. about something not on not on topic. This week it's donuts, who certainly lend their genesis to a <laughs> moment of lucidity and creativity uh, when someone decided, "Hey, what if a pastry instead of having something in in the middle has nothing in the middle?" Wow. Yeah. Wow, and sometimes in the absence of, we find beauty, huh, Vin? <laughs> the, that creation story for donuts might be apocryphal in some ways, but we're talking about donuts this week. Jamie, do you like donuts? Uh, I love donuts. Um, I was the one of the co-captains of the Bogart Donut Cycling Club for a year, so that was kind of fun. Wow. Ooh, so. cycling... Such a great pairing with a donut sponsor. First of all, the wheels look like donuts. Also, working yeah. off the pounds from the donuts, it's great. It's yep. a perfect fit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's Do you have a, a donut favorite shop. donut, sir, or a donut a donut uh, shop that you love? Well, I am. Uh, uh, I'm. I've kind of torn between two donut shops in town. I'm. I live three blocks from Sarah Jane's Bakery, um, which is is phenomenal and super old school. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of Bogarts, which is like 10 miles from yeah, my house. You're contractually um, I, obligated, right? right, right. <laughs> to, to mention them once per uh, conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got to fit them in three more times. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I just I, I love I kind of love their the the story of Bogarts and that it you know um, knowing Anne and she was one of the panelists at our first doing stuff event and hearing how really she just you know. It did a similar thing. She was was doing something that she wasn't super in love with, um, but she was making. She was really into making pastries, and then just wanted to open a donut store that was like just a drive-through window. And like, I just want to make donuts, like one, like one donut at a time, and hand it to people. And like, yeah. a business was born, you know, that now is tremendously successful. And so, um, I just, I kind of, I don't know. I have a. I have a huge passion for donuts. As far as which donut I love, um, I'm a huge fan of just your standard raised glaze. Um, raised glaze. Raised well, glaze. It's, it's the best. You know, yeah, it's so good. Test. Like you go to a donut shop, get the glazed donut. If it's not good, none of the rest of the donuts are. It's like a cheeseburger. Like, don't, don't get like a yeah. barbecue jalapeno with an egg on it. Get the simple cheeseburger if they're true. Right. Am I trying right. to comparison? Okay. Yeah, if you can't do that right, you know, like how can you do like some sort of raspberry Fancy. filled, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Vinny, I know, <laughs> listen, I, I don't, I'm not positive 
Really? I feel, I feel like we've talked a little bit on this. I I I didn't realize you were a donut fan, but I, I knew you were a strudel fan. We went we went off on that at length on a different episode. We did. We've talked about strudel. We've talked about kolaches, which are, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Actually, not strudel. Kolaches. What are those? Those with kolaches are, are a Czech dessert. There we go. Uh, well, I, I'm sure they're endemic to other sort of Eastern European cultures as well. But what they are, they're a little um, they're a little egg pastry, and then in the center is a variety of fillings. Uh, some of the most popular ones are like raspberry or apricot or poppy seed and then there's confectioner sugar sort of sprinkled on top vince i 82 episode 82 with colin fitzpatrick does that sound right Ooh. i Ooh, think so dude. you know we i think we did broach it there but we also talked about it with this guy who was from texas who claimed that kolaches were texan oh wait maybe that's who i'm thinking do you remember this who was that <laughs> and then i was like wait they're not they're not Texan. They might be in Texas, but I got news. And we don't know who that guest was. I don't remember now. Look at that. Fuck our guests. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jamie. You well, weren't supposed I, to hear that. I, I, I'm sorry about that. I, that was a fun and stimulating conversation. It's just not coming to mind right now. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kolaches are like the anti donut because they're shaped like a donut, but then the filling is where the donut would have filling. Well, of course, ah. it's unfair to categorize all donuts as having a hole in the middle, though I would like to give a shout out to my new favorite, which is sort of a old trend reborn and reimagined the old fashioned donut. Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with this, yeah. this donut type? No. Um, I'm, a, I'm all about it these days. I'm full, yeah. I'm full in on the old fashioned donut. What is, tell me, I have no idea. So, yeah, it's a little hard to describe, actually. Imagine a, a typical cake donut, but the outside it has a, a slightly crispier, more severe fry to it. Mm-hmm. And the interior cake, that makes it a little hotter and meltier. And then also there is copious sugar, just classic, not even frosting, just sugar drizzled over the top. Yeah, it's unbelievable to have an amazing one at the Bachelor Farmer Cafe right now. So, wow. Ooh, I did not know that the Bachelor Farmer Cafe had had an old fashioned donut. I work about one block away from that, wait, so maybe. Wait. And that that being a pr- uh, pretty popular Minneapolis spot. Yeah, yeah, so relatively. Relatively that's new. what you're doing tomorrow morning. So, <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, also, <laughs> you know, a weird a weird phenomenon. I actually super love sprinkles on my raised glazed donuts okay okay no judgments really no judgments. really no judgments oh, it sounds like there's judgments <laughs> yeah, it I sounds don't believe like you're you saying that. no judgments but then that there's actually judgments <laughs> no judgments no judgments uh, uh hey it's crunchy texture to an otherwise soft dessert i don't see how that's culinarily abysmal grant what about you what do I, you think about donuts? i feel like i am like a tragic character in this play um i don't <laughs> I, I honestly cannot tell you the last time I had a donut, not out of like pride. I just like, I find myself attracted to other sweets or I like am more interested in other food. I just like, I don't know. I just never, I never go for them, but I, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. They sort of got tagged. I think unfairly as a junk food pastry. We're not, I don't yeah. think that's, that's, that's not fair. Accurate. That's not fair. Yeah. Okay. I, it might be just a, a mental hangup. I will say, Oh, actually, hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just realizing a, a anecdote from high school. Okay. So what are those? Um, what are those things? They are like, uh, it was like raspberry filled 
but it wasn't it wasn't a donut what was it called it was like a type of donut it was like a cr- uh it's iceberg bismarck. bismarck yes a raspberry bismarck i used to bring those i was the co-captain of the sad club the students against drunk driving in high school which is just fucking bizarre that and i remember taking a lot of flack because i drank alcohol uh, at certain periods during high school, but I, of course I was against drunk driving, but I just remember taking a lot of flack from the other students about being a captain of that. And looking back at it all, that's honestly my, my most, like that's where I remember donuts most in my life was just bringing donuts to those meetings. <laughs> so wow. This, I, hey, this got you weird. Did a great service. No, you, you did a great service to that group. Um, hey, I, Grant, I know you're not like that into donuts, but since you're in Portland, right. I have to say, should I stop Blue by Voodoo? Star. Oh, Blue Star. Yeah. So we went to Voodoo yep. when we were in Portland back in the day. Super good, but they're more of the uh, hype. They're, hype. Of, they're the supreme yeah. of donuts. Ooh, yikes. Supreme. Shots fired. But yes, uh, you're right. <laughs> I'm sure and, Supreme uh, is listening. <laughs> 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 okay. But, but Blue Star is more of sort of like a a gourmet boutique donut shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Had it for the first time a few days ago and it was super good. All right. Well, I will, I will ask my lady about it and I guess we'll see what she says. <laughs> All right. Great. Have you ever been to Portland to eat the donuts, Jamie? I have been to Portland. Uh, I did not eat donuts. Well, which is weird. Get another plane ticket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Working on it. Working let's all, on it. let's all for if we if we ever record another episode, let's just make a pact right now that we'll meet up in Portland to record it. We've got a history of packs on the show. In fact, we've got right now a Google Drive folder that has time capsule re- letters written to ourselves and the Hoodspur sisters. <laughs> Don't forget about the ping pong tournament with whoever that Cat is. Garden. That Cat, Garden. Cat Garden. Cat <laughs> Garden. Many seasons ago. That was we'll an aggressive. That one was more aggressive. The <laughs> I I could I could get behind a, a Portland episode meetup. I could get behind that. That sounds fun to me. I, yeah. I'll take your, yeah, I'll take your, your little yeah as like an enthusiastic yeah, Jamie. And yeah, no, we'll see, there was, woo, yeah. <laughs> wow, uh, this what a what a fun snack! Literally this time from Jeez. what was a great meal of a conversation. Otherwise, <sighs> and maybe it's it's time to dive back into that with a couple of questions, Jamie. If you'd be kind enough to, but lend we, your but we already had dessert, Vince. No, this is the digestif. This is the after dinner drink. Love it. <laughs> All right. The metaphor suitably belabored. We'll dive right into it. Uh, first things first, Jamie, how can our listeners support you in the work that you do? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Send me duffel bags of cash. Um, <laughs> Wait, or Why haven't our other guests thought of this one yet? <laughs> That's how I choose usually to accept payment. Um it's easier for tax purposes that way. Unmarked uh, $20 bills. Yes, pressure. yes. Uh, no, I think, um, I don't know, right now, the, the, let's, let's, let's hit up that uh, Launch Ladies Kickstarter yeah, campaign. Yeah, we'll, we'll show notes that. We'll link that out. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I and got that's going a, on. That's right. a dope project. I mean, yeah. very and I think, cool and a good cause. Yeah, and I think above and beyond that, I think, you know, less about, you know, supporting me, but more about, um, I think, just finding ways um finding ways to i think give particularly kids the opportunity to 
ex- explore and experiment and just kind of find that. I mean, like I know as a kid, there's no rules and stuff like that, but so often, you know, as, as you know, adults where we're quick to be like, Oh no, you should be doing it this way. You should be doing it this way. Um, so, I mean, just look to encourage them and to learn from them. I think, uh, it. I think that would be if if I could have you know one one thing that my kids remember me by. It's that uh, uh, that I hopefully learned a lot from them in my life uh, as they grew up as as much as probably more so than they learned from me because they're gonna learn a lot of dumb stuff from me. But uh, so you know, listeners out there, um, you know, just just give kids that opportunity. You know, to to both uh, explore and experiment with your guidance, but also. Um, to uh, maybe look at them for sources of inspiration on your own, you know. Sometimes when my daughter yells hilarious stuff in the middle of the living room during dinner, I'm like, oh, man, there's an idea, you know. And so uh, (laughs) it's uh, Profit off your children is the takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Hey, maybe in a less glib way, always have an open ear for what might inspire the next breakthrough, the next interesting idea. you yeah. know, it's cool. It's cool hearing you talk about. Um, well, because I, I had scribbled down on my sheet of paper here. What I, I think I was interested in hearing from you was like how you felt about legacy, and you very much answered that question. And I, over the last like probably two or three years, I've come to some conclusions, or at least like like mid phase conclusions for me about like who I'm making stuff for. And like right now, I feel like I've been making stuff for like a young version of me, like the type of sort of super obsessed like creative kid who would be like you know like I follow uh, like. Some somebody like Spike Jones and I see everything he's done as like a roadmap or like a treasure map. And so right now I'm just using that as like a mental construct for who I'm really, really making stuff for. And just hearing the story of you, like talking about your basement and having your kids like fighting over stuff that you left down there. I feel like that's such a like encompassing and interesting way to like, like make decisions about the stuff you're doing. Like it's like a weird, weird mission statement or a weird like vision statement that I think is like amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like the philosophy do, in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. We have this we have this annual like purge that we do at our house where it's like we need to get rid of all of the stuff that we don't need sort of thing. And I, every year it's like, don't you dare touch that proton pack. Like that <laughs> that stays down there. That full <laughs> fully constructed Ghostbusters costume does not go anywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Like, that is just necessary. <laughs> so. Well, I mean that's that's something else in into itself. Uh <laughs> But uh, you've already sort of touched on it and uh, it's begun to describe it. But maybe if you want another swing at sort of a, a end cap to your time on the episode, if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from this conversation, what would you want that to be? Um, I would say, because I, I think this is a thing that I, you know, I tell a lot of people is like, don't be afraid to just go do stuff. You know, the, the worst thing that's going to happen is it's just not going to work and you're going to have to try something else. You know, um, we only get uh, really only a small handful of years on this big ball of dirt. Um, and uh, you're never going to look back and, and, you know, wish you to spend more time uh, thinking more pragmatically and, and staying home on the weekends and stuff like that. You're, you're always going to look back and wish you'd have done those things that in that moment you know, you really just should have done. So 
true, man. I feel like I, I yell that at people sometimes, like, even, like, friends or something, we're, like, deciding about, like, a trip or something. I'm like, I've never really regretted anything. Like, the, I'll, I won't, are we going to regret this? No fucking way. So, like, I mean, unless something terrible happens, but, like, we won't regret having made the decision technically. I think that's phenomenal advice. <laughs> it's like, even if something bad, advice. yeah, even if something bad does happen, just think of the story, you yeah. know? Yeah, man. So. Truly, you will regret not doing something though. So Easily. in that in that vein, that's that's a really big statement, and I think uh, <laughs> we, for, we can't be held for, liable uh, for legal reasons. We have to <laughs> say, <laughs> but for a topic as big as the future in all caps, um, I think it was really fitting, and I think you're sort of living out that philosophy, which is always nice to see it's more than just words your actions are backing it up so thanks for all of the pursuits that you have and all the things that you're doing and and thanks for being generous with your time and joining us on the show today well thanks for having me it was it was a ton of fun likewise my friend grant yeah i might as well i already i I just said likewise so i can't really continue with another request so i'll I'll pop it back in we we started strong man strong vince um (laughs) oh hey wait now (laughs) uh Jamie, we like to leave our listeners with a, a a little phrase of ours. Well, not ours, but a phrase that we like to say a lot, which is "ship it." And I wonder if you could give our listeners a, a Jamie Erickson ship it. A Jamie Erickson ship it. Uh, That's right. A, a J Dog Shipsky. J Dog Shipsky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I feel all of a sudden. I feel all this pressure. Yeah. Well, Uh-oh, hey, no. J- Jamie, Jamie, we Jamie. Hey, hold on. Let's talk through this, man. You're not gonna. You're not gonna regret this, man. You're gonna look back at this fondly. You're gonna have this artifact of, of, uh, of your jump. There's a bungee cord. There's a parachute. We are here. This isn't a free fall, my friend. <laughs> this is a Jay Dizzle. Ship it. <laughs> Fuck.